what Jesus' kingdom is, is an upside-down kingdom. It's not like this kingdom on normal kingdoms on earth where they're, they're seeking to try to expand uh, and doing it the way that they want to do. They're hurting people or trying to, trying to subdue people. And Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It's, and we're going to be looking at that in, in John chapter 12 today. But as I thought about this upside-down, I, I remember just recently we were in Indianapolis and there was a, we were, there's different one-way roads uh, you got to make sure you don't go the wrong way on a one-way road. And uh, there was a sign that was, it said one way, but it was upside down. And so because it was upside down, I, I should have put it on here, but because it was an upside down sign, the arrow was pointing the wrong direction. Now, hopefully people would realize one way. I mean, if you see upside down here, that's, uh, you can see it's upside down. But like one way, if you see it's upside down, you're going to hopefully see it's, that's actually the wrong way. But, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people are going on a one-way road. They are going the wrong way in life. The way is, the way of Jesus, we know, is the, the narrow path. The way of Jesus is the hard path. The way of Jesus, his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It's, it's so different than the world. And Jesus calls us to be part of his upside-down kingdom. He wants us to be going the wrong way, uh, not his wrong way, but the wrong way of the world. The world will say, hey, what you're doing is weird. What you're doing is backwards. What you're doing is, is, is crazy. Well, you can say, that's okay, because Jesus is in an upside-down kingdom, and I'm a part of his kingdom, and his kingdom is, is so different than the world. Uh, so we're going to read today from from John chapter 12, so I encourage you to open your Bibles there. Um, this was in our reading from this week, uh, and, and we saw John, in John 11, there's this story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. There was a lot of people that were amazed by this, of course, that he wrote that there was a man that, that was dead in the grave for four days, and he came out because of Jesus. Uh, Jesus then, um, you know, he, he heals a blind man on the, on the way uh, to Jerusalem. He, as he goes into Jerusalem, there's these, we celebrate this on Palm Sunday, the, the Sunday before Easter, but they started waving palm branches, they started laying down their cloaks, they started praising Jesus as he was riding in on a donkey. They were praising Jesus as the king, the king that was going to come set up his throne and, and set up his, his kingdom here, riding into to Jerusalem, the, the, the city, the Zion, the, the one that all the prophets have talked about, Zion. And so here, when he does that, he, he comes in, in a different way. He doesn't come on this, this huge horse. He comes, uh, comes as, as a servant. Jesus came not to to be served, but to serve, right? And he's, he's doing that. He knows he's going to be giving his life as a ransom for many. So here, as he's, after he's coming into Jerusalem, there's some different things that happen, but um, in chapter 12, um, he's been staying at Bethany with his friends, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, and uh, Mary pours this jar of perfume on, on him and anoints him, and and many are wondering, what's this all about? 
And Jesus, Jesus, as he's come to Jerusalem, people are thinking that he's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to start now. And their idea of what this kingdom was was a, is different than what Jesus thought. Because they thought their, the kingdom was going to be to defeat the Romans, to, to take the sword and, and conquer. And so this whole, everybody was so excited about what Jesus was going to do. Now, not everybody. It says the, the Pharisees, the, you know, in verse 19 here, it says that the Pharisees looked at one another and said, this is getting us nowhere. Look, see, see how the world has gone after him. They, they're saying, man, he is so popular. There's nothing we can, we're trying to stop him. We're trying to stop him. But he still is so getting people to come to him. And it says in verse 20, now there was some Greeks among those who went up to to worship at the festival. So they're going to celebrate Passover. And these Greeks were there. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they had a request. They said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew. And Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Now, I think it's interesting here. They find Philip. I'm not sure exactly why they went and found Philip. But they found him, and I don't know why Philip doesn't just go right to Jesus, but he goes to Andrew. I don't know if Andrew's kind of like, you know, the, the secretary or the bodyguard, or I don't know, but, you know, they, they went and then told Jesus, okay? They told Jesus, these guys are here to see you. These, these people from, uh, some Greeks are here. And Jesus, in verse 23, he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So here Jesus, it's like he kind of ignores, they're saying, you know, hey, Jesus, these guys want to see you. And Jesus, he's not trying to, I don't think he's trying to be disrespectful here. He's showing, hey, right now what's most important is that I've come here to die. I've come here to Jerusalem that the more important thing right now is saving people. And so he gives this example, this example of, you know, this kernel of wheat. A lot of you guys know about this more than I do. But when you put a seed in the ground, hopefully, if it does the right thing, it's going to produce a crop. It's going to produce a lot of seeds. And so Jesus is giving this example here, this, this illustration about how he is going to die. And from his death, he's going to be glorified. And, when he, and at, through his death, there's going to be a whole crop of people that come to know him. And so Jesus says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am... My servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. And so these are some hard words for these disciples. These, these disciples are, you know, they've heard a few different times Jesus talking about death, Jesus talking about how he's going to die. But now he's, he's talking about how they also need to not just follow Jesus, but their cost of following Jesus is going to be losing their life. He says, if anyone who loves their life will lose it, 
If you love your life, if you're trying to hang on to your life, you're trying to hang on to your earthly life, it's not going to do any good for eternity. Jesus said, about anyone who hates their life in this world. Now that seems a little strong, hates their life. Well, Jesus has also said earlier that anyone who, who follows me must hate their father or mother, their brother or sister. And that seems harsh too. What does this hate mean? Jesus, I thought Jesus is a God of love, not a God of hate. Well, this idea is, he's not trying to say in, in any way that we need to have hatred towards people. You're not trying, you know, your family, you're not supposed to hate your family. He's, this is more of a, a way of saying, you have to choose to follow me. You have to be all in on following me. Because he says, if you, if you are trying to, to love your life, your earthly life, if you want your earthly life more than you want to follow me, then you're going to have it but you're going to lose it for eternity. So you, you have to choose. Are you, are you all in with the world or are you all in with me? You can't be both. Anyone who hates their life in this world, anyone that chooses to say no to themselves, say no to what they want here, and say yes to whatever Jesus says, yes to following Jesus, those are the people that are going to keep their life, they're going to keep their life for all of eternity. That's a hard teaching. But Jesus says that if you're going to serve me, you're going to follow me. And wherever I am, you're also going to be. You're going to follow me. You're going to go where I am. I'm going to, when I lead, you follow. It's not that I follow you, Jesus says. I'm, you're following me. And so in this, we see that, that Jesus' kingdom is built on surrender. That, that we have to surrender to Jesus. His kingdom is built on this, this word surrender. He, how we s- serving one another, being humble and loving, thinking of, of others above ourselves. You know, as many earthly kingdoms are about wanting people to surrender too, Jesus' way of surrender is in a, a totally different way, this upside-down kingdom. His, the, the kingdom is about surrender now so that you can have be with Jesus for all eternity surrender what you want just temporarily and then you're going to have for eternity now when we surrender the more and more we surrender to Jesus the more and more we realize that his way is the better way and the things that we kind of wanted to do or the things that we kind of were hoping that we could do before we surrender those things weren't going to be the good things anyways so the more we surrender to Jesus, the more we know Jesus, the more we understand his heart, the more we let him lead, the more we're letting him be in control. And it says that my Father will honor the one who serves me. You know, I know that the disciples, when they were, when they were hearing this, and they, they've kept, kept hearing Jesus is going to die, but they, they didn't compute to them. They're just like, how could this be? Jesus says it a few different times and the disciples each time are like, uh, well, they're confused about how this could be because in their mind they're thinking Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus can't die. He's going to live forever. He's going to be the king forever. And that's true. Jesus is going to be the king forever. They didn't know that Jesus' life was meant as a sacrifice and he would rise from the dead. 
even though Jesus did say that, they weren't listening. You know, when you're watching a movie or reading a book and you see that the, the main character, they're like in trouble. They're, they're starting to look like, wow, this main character might actually die. The main character can't die. You kind of keep telling yourself, the main character can't die because they won't make a movie or a book about this. Right? It's the same kind of thing here with the, with the disciples. They're thinking, the main character, Jesus, he can't die. Because if he dies, it's over. You know, the, the hero doesn't die. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to be a servant. He came so that he would die. And in him, we have life. But Jesus is going to pay for our sins. So is, if, we, if we see that movie and we say, wow, the, the main character is about to die. Well, they must not be the hero. They must not be the main character. They must not be the, there must be another one that's going to come up. And maybe that's what the disciples thought. Well, if Jesus is really going to die, maybe somebody else is going to be the Messiah. So they just didn't want to think about it because they thought Jesus is the Messiah. We've seen his power. We've seen his, what he does. We, we know he's the Messiah. So it says here then in verse 27, it, it shows how Jesus' soul is troubled. He says, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is from this very reason that I came. This very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name, Jesus says. Jesus, he had every chance to say no to the suffering and the pain. Jesus, is, he was fully God, but also fully man. We have to remember, Jesus was troubled to go to the cross. Jesus was troubled because, you know, who wants, when you know something is really hard, it's hard to go through with that. And for Jesus, it wasn't just really hard. It was, it was very hard. It was, it was going to be his death. And Jesus' sacrifice, in the sacrifice, he, he had a chance. He's like, well, what, what do you think I should do? Just because I'm troubled, just because I'm worried, just because it's, it's going to be hard for me, should I just say, Father, save me from this? He could have said, Father, save me from this. Father, I don't want to do this. Don't, you know, I don't want to do this, so... Let's just figure out a different way. Well, we know as he, as he prayed later on, the night before he died, he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let's do that. But there was no other way. There was no other way to save all the people. There was no other way, because we are lost without Jesus. Because of our sin, we have no chance to be saved. There's nothing that we can do. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you read. It doesn't matter how, much, how many times you come to church. It doesn't matter if all you're doing all the time is praying. If you aren't in a relationship with Jesus, now I would think if you're praying a lot, you would, you're in a relationship with Jesus. But if you aren't in a relationship with Jesus and trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, then you're not going to be saved. You're still going to be lost. And this is where the, Jesus is constantly talking with the Pharisees about this. The Pharisees think that they are good and because they are righteous because of what they have done. But Jesus says you're lost. And that you're only found, you're only saved by admitting that we need Jesus. And he's the only way that, he's the only 
rescuer. He's the only way that we can be redeemed. And Jesus, his focus here, in this hour where he was troubled, his focus was on the Father's glory. He wanted God to be glorified. His focus was not on himself, but on the Father's glory. And he says, glorify your name. Glorify God. You know, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, I, I hope that's your prayer also. I hope that's your prayer that, that we want to give glory, to, glory and honor to Jesus. Glory and honor to God. We want to give Him the praise. It's not about ourselves. It's not about what we do. It's about pointing people on the, the one-way sign to Jesus that's pointing the right way. Jesus wants His Father to receive the glory. Glorify Your name. The Father wants Jesus is he, this salvation to come through Jesus. You know, it's easy to not surrender to Jesus, but surrendering to Jesus is the harder, the harder thing. But it's the eternal thing. We're going to be when we surrender to Jesus. When we have. When we say yes to Jesus and we want God's honor and God's glory, God's also going to honor us. It says in verse 26 here that my Father will honor the one who serves me. So the way that, the way that we can glorify God is by the way we love each other, by the way we serve each other, by the way we point people to Jesus. It says then in verse um, 28, he says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. You know, I know it says that there's a voice from heaven. This God the Father, I think this is the third time that he says something for everyone to hear. He says when Jesus was first starting his ministry, when, when he was baptized, he said, this is my son. I am well pleased. Then later, when Jesus is at the high, on a high mountain with the three of his disciples, Jesus transfigured, and, Jesus, and God the Father says, "This is my Son, in whom." Or he says uh, to do what he says, to listen to him. Now, now the Father says in another voice near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, right before the cross, he says. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And, and this, think what this means is God is glorified. God's name is glorified through Jesus. Jesus came and he, 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 was, he was sent to the world, and he, and this, he incarnated. He, he came into flesh. That God became flesh and, and dwelt among us. And so God has been glorified in that, in the way that Jesus has, has lived and taught. And, and perform miracles. And God, Jesus was always giving glory to God, not for himself. And God says, I will glorify it again. And this is referring to, we think, referring to how Jesus in a few days was going to die on the cross. And how Jesus was going to have victory over sin by defeating the enemy and raising from the dead. And also how Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father now. And, and, and he's going to be someday ruling on heaven and earth. Every knee will bow in heaven and earth. 
and we will know that Jesus is Lord. Every person will declare that Jesus is Lord. So the Father said, I will glorify it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there, they heard it, and they said it thundered. And others said that an angel had spoken to him. So this crowd, this crowd hadn't, they weren't, they weren't fully sure what, was, what this noise was. Can you imagine hearing the voice of God? Hearing the audible voice of God. They, they thought it was like thunder. But others thought they heard something. It must have been an angel. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now the time for judgment on this world. Now is the time for judgment on this world. And now the prince of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the, from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. So he said this for the kind of death that he was going to die. Jesus was showing that Satan, that, that Satan was, is the prince of this world and he's about to be driven out. But I'll, I'll say this, that Satan, Satan is still here. He's still working. He is, even though he knows that his end is coming, he knows that his the, the defeat has already happened, but he is still clawing and scratching for ways to try to hurt God still. But that's why we can say at the name of Jesus, we, when we're scared, when there's a spirit of oppression, when there's a spirit of, of anything that's of Satan, we can just, just declare, Jesus, Jesus has the victory. We can say that because it's true. In the end, Jesus wins. And where is Satan going to be? He's going to be thrown into a lake of fire. And so we don't have to worry about what Satan is doing now because Jesus declares that, that he is driving out the prince of this world. And Jesus is he's also saying he's going to be lifted up on a cross. He's going to die for the sins of the people. He's going to die for you, for me. He did, he's not dying for, because of what he did, even though it says that all sin leads to death. Jesus had no sin, and so therefore he, did not, he was not condemned to die because of sin. He was condemned to die because of our sin. He, he made the sacrifice for you and for me. And the crowd spoke up and they said, we've heard from the law, verse 34, that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? And who is this Son of Man? Good questions. So they're, they're asking these questions. Is, it, is the Son of Man, is, is the Messiah really going to live forever? If you're really the, the Messiah, then you're not going to die. You're going to live forever. Well, they were partly right. The, the Son of Man, what Jesus calls himself, is going to live forever, is beyond time. And so they're wondering, how can you be the Messiah? And so Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little longer. And while you have the light, before darkness overtakes you, so he's, he's saying, he's about to die. He's about, he, he is the light of the world, remember? He said that he's the light of the world. And just Jesus is about to die. And he says that you're going to have the light just a little longer. So walk in the light while you have it, before the darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. 
When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Jesus here is wanting the people, he's instructing the people to become children of light. Now we don't, now we, we have the Holy Spirit, we have his, um, the, the teacher, the, the Holy Spirit teaches and guides us now, and we can pray to Jesus. But we have, we have the light of the world. Jesus says that the light, he is the light, and we'll, and we don't want to be walking in the dark because when we're in the dark, we can't see where we're going. And when we're in the dark, we don't know the directions. We don't know if we're going to be okay or not. Think about if you were driving in your car at night and you didn't have headlights. And let's just say no one had headlights. Not just you, but no one had headlights. And so it would be hard enough to see where to go but then you're in danger of hurting other people. You're in danger of other people hurting you. It would be crazy to not have the light. And so Jesus is the light. And Jesus wants us to walk in the light. Notice, he didn't just say believe in the light. He said to walk in the light. There's some action here. Yes, we need to start by believing that Jesus is the light, that Jesus is the light of the world, that he's the Messiah. But if we're only just believing and we're not living it out, we're missing something because Jesus' instruction is for us to then believe and to walk in the light so that we can become children of light. He doesn't want us just to be people that believe. That is very important. We, We want to be people that believe, that we're believing in Jesus. But belief with no action doesn't really show a lot of belief, does it? Belief is going to lead to action. And so this belief that, that Jesus is the light and that we have, we have life in him only, we're going to then walk in the light. We're going to seek to walk in the light. And Jesus' instruction is, is that we, he is pleased that we become children of light. Why does he want us to be children of light? He wants us to be children of light so that people will know that he is the light of the world, that we can be pointing people to him. He wants us to be children of light so that we can be part of his family. So, do we want to be children of light? Because if we want to be children of light, we need to not just believe, but we need to walk in the light, like Jesus said. Jesus didn't give up his life for us to keep living ours. That's our main idea today. Jesus didn't give up his life for us to keep living ours. If you want to keep living your life, then keep living your life, but you're not going to do it part with Jesus. Jesus wants you to give up your life, just like he gave up his life. Jesus is, is, is the ultimate example of sacrifice. Jesus wants us to sacrifice our life. He wants us to lose our earthly life so that we can have eternal life. So am I trying to hold on to my earthly life? Am I trying to hold on to the control? Am I trying to just do what I want to do? Or am I giving up my life for Jesus? You know, there's a quote that says, control is an illusion. We try to control, but it's really, it's out of our grasp. It's like trying to hold, grab some water. 
with our hands. It's not going to work very well. That's kind of like control. If we're trying to grab the control, it's just going to slip through our fingers. Because the reality is that our every breath is dependent on our Lord. And He knows the, the hardest, but the best thing that we can do is to surrender to Him. He's the one that created us. He's the one that knows us. He's the one that loves us and gave His life for us. If there's ways that you're trying to grab that control and you think you have control, I just want to encourage you to talk to God about that. And say, God, there's, I know I'm trying to control my life. I'm trying to, maybe I'm trying to keep my life. I'm trying to live for me. encourage you to confess those things to the Lord because he's faithful and just he will always forgive you you know we can Jesus' kingdom is built on surrender his his focus is on giving the father glory and Jesus' instruction is for us to become the children of light and those things are things that we can do together notice he didn't say that you would be a child of light he said children he wants the people to be children. He wants us, us to be walking together. As we have these shirts that say, following Jesus together. Because that's what we want to be about. We want to be a place, a community of people that aren't just following Jesus on our own. But we're following Jesus together. Following Jesus means that we're learning from Jesus. That means we're being discipled by Jesus. That means we don't have it all figured out and we're not just good to go but we are constantly learning and growing. And we're doing that together. So I hope that's something that, that you, it's exciting to you. It's, it's exciting to me that we can be following Jesus together. Following Jesus together. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about light. And he says that he is the light of the world. But then, he says that in John, but in in, uh, Matthew, he says that not just that he is the light of the world, he says this in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. Jesus says he's the light of the world, but then he says you are the light of the world. He says you are the light of the world because we are reflecting him. Jesus says, A town that's built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to be children of the light. It means that we're living in an upside-down kingdom. That it's a, light, a kingdom of surrender. It means, and what is his focus? His focus is on giving glory to the Father. And so by shining God's light together, it can't be hidden. And this, this light is going to shine. That people are going to see this light. They're going to see the good things. They're going, to see, they're going to see Jesus through us. And when they do, they see these good deeds, they're going to give glory to our Father in heaven. 
And that's our prayer. That we would be walking in the light like He is in the light. That we'd be letting Jesus grow us. That we we would realize that, that Jesus didn't give up His life for us to keep ours. We don't want to just keep living our life the normal way, the same way, the way of the world. We live our life because Jesus has given His life for us. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that we would be a people, that we'd be a church that's committed to following You wholeheartedly with obedience. And God, I pray that we would be a people, a church that's walking together in learning Your ways, in, in learning the way of being Your children. God, I pray that we would be walking in Your light, that we would be surrendered to You, that even when we're in a hard place and the world is saying the opposite, God, I pray that You would give us strength and endurance to stand in Your kingdom, an upside-down kingdom. God, we pray that we would be focused on Your glory giving praise to you, not to ourselves. And God, we pray that, that we be walking together in this community, that we be following you together, that you'd be growing us, that we would be abiding in you, that as we open your word through this week in the New Testament challenge, God, that you would just continue to illuminate your life-giving words to us, and that we would be a light on this hill, that people would see the light of you, and they would see the good deeds that we have. And they wouldn't give us glory, but they would give glory to you. So we pray that East Bend would be a light, that East Bend would be a light that would, would bring people to you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.